On today's episode of Race, we'll be reviewing To All the Boys I've Loved Before and discussing Puppy Love. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian movies podcast, where each week we review an Asian-led film and debate a cultural topic that stems from the movie's themes. I'm your host, Wang Shou, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and on today's episode, we've got the lovely and hilarious Veronica Antipolo. Hello! Um, okay, so before we jump into our movie of the week, I wanted to ask you, Veronica, what was the most memorable part of your week? Today, I attended a um, rally for um, anti-Asian hate crimes mm. or anti-racism. Um, so that, that was uh, today, I think, 2 p.m. our time, uh, 5,000 people in attendance in the rain. Wow. Yeah, it was... Uh, people were socially distanced. That was one thing I was worried about, but they, we were all sort of standing in our little pockets. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was good. It was good to see all, all those people out and all the people out there supporting. Oh, absolutely. And you, you took your, did you take your daughter? I did. I took her eight years old. We had matching signs. Um, and then matching signs, of course, call for photos, which of course I didn't take. So, strangers have the photos i don't even have them if you recognize me please send them my way i don't have photos <laughs> yeah i will say you know it is very hardening to see um people rallying around the asian community i th i think for the past year it's felt like we've been screaming into the ether and nobody's been listening like people have been stabbed they've been killed multiple fatalities of, you know, elderly Asians getting knocked over, you know, younger Asians as young as two years old getting stabbed. It's just been total craziness. And one thing I do want to say is like a lot of people are talking about uh, the effects of, 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 you know, of Trump's words of like the China virus mm -hmm. and the Kung flu and all that. And I, I, there is overt racism like that for sure. But I do think it kind of goes back to, um, to when the medical community was at first not recommending masks. So the only people wearing masks were Asians. And so people were targeting Asians if they were like anti-mask because they were like, oh, why are you even wearing masks? Because the doctors aren't even recommending it. They were doing that ridiculous thing where they were like, oh, if you touch the mask the wrong way, you might actually make it more infectious or some ridiculousness, which they walked back later. And of course, as Asians, we all know from multiple pandemics and as Torontonians, we know from SARS, like, mm -hmm. Obviously, a mask is effective, and I do think that the medical community should have just said, hey, listen, bitches, don't hoard masks because um, we need them, as opposed to lying to us and saying, oh, if you touch your mask the wrong way, you'll actually be doing a bad thing, um, because that really hurt Asians. And so I did want to bring that up because, you know, it's not as simple as like, you know, uh, cartoonishly evil people making policies. I do think there were some other more subtle policies that affected the Asian community. Yeah. Now, for me, the the probably the most memorable part of my week is I had a nightmare yesterday, and that's actually really rare. And I know people just say, "Oh, everybody wow. dreams," but um, they don't remember it. Well, I actually didn't dream for probably over a decade because I have like severe sleep apnea, so my brain wakes up like 
30 something times per hour, which means you literally don't have a chance to dream because your, your brain is never in that, um, you know, that meditative part where it can actually dream. So dreams are very weird to me. And I had this dream where, you know, the details don't really matter. It was just like, um, you know, somebody got into an argument with me and, you know, I think in the dream I was right, but it didn't matter because I blew up so hardcore and it was so over the top that being right or not didn't even matter because it was somebody I loved. And so, you know, I was trying to interpret this dream because I was like, wow, this is like really out of character because people who know me in real life, um, you know, hopefully Veronica can attest to this. Like I'm, I'm pretty even keeled. Like I don't, I don't hold in feelings and then just blow up on people. Um, That's now true. where I grew now where I grew up in the ghetto. Um, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, we missed it last which, episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> now where I grew up in the ghetto, we actually call this like the Ned Flanders. Um, so off of the Simpsons character, Ned Flanders, who, you know, is always such a nice guy. And then, um, you know, he held it in for so long that he just blew up and, you know, had to go into like psychiatric care because he just held in all his feelings. So I was like, I'm not going to be a Ned Flander. So I've been really trying to figure out, you know, what is it that I'm holding in that this dream is trying to tell me not to hold in? So, you know, everybody uh, stay tuned. Maybe I'll go see a, a dream interpreter or something to, to help me figure out what's going on. Because right now I don't totally know. <laughs> um, but uh you know, so that's that. That's my week, and uh, and Veronica, thanks for sharing um, about uh, the um, the Stop Asian Hate movement in Toronto, which, as you said, still attracted thousands of people in spite of the fact that it was like raining super hard today. It so, was. and and as a gay man, I can tell you, the rain has a way of coming down whenever you plan a parade or a demonstration. Like, I would say the majority of gay pride parades since I've lived in Toronto have been heavily rained on. So I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't you know, know what it, was, it is. You know, what was interesting about um about today is that because I knew it was raining, I was like, let's wrap our signs up in saran wrap. And I can't tell you how many other Asians did the same thing. Always prepared. <laughs> always prepared. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, so let's move on to our uh, main topic of the week, which is, of course, the movie review of Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So this movie is about a teenage girl's secret love letters getting exposed and wreaking havoc on her love life. Uh, it is based on a novel by Jenny Han. And starring uh, Lana Condor as Lara Jean and Noah Centineo as Peter. And uh, let's head on over to Veronica for what are your, uh, let's first start out with your non-spoiler thoughts. This, this kind of seems like a movie that's right up your alley. Am, am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> it's the title of my love life, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Um, <laughs> it's not about me. She's way, she has, she's way more classy than I ever was in high school. I'll tell you that. And you know what? It was a nice, you know, light hearted movie. Um, you know, teen romantic comedy, so much different than those John Hughes movies, which now looking back, I'm like, wow, these are really racist. Um, 
very diverse. Oh, I will say super that. Racist. <laughs> right? I this is yeah. like John Hughes is mm. over here on you know, and then like this is on the other side of that. Um I enjoyed it. I was able to watch it with my daughter and she actually went to watch uh, part two without me. And, you know, I, I liked it. This is the second time I've watched it actually. And, you know, it's not, mm. it's not super dramatic. It's not like something you're going to expect. The, it's going to be at the Oscars. But like I said, it's just like a nice lighthearted feel good movie and it's entertaining. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I I I enjoyed it as well. This was also my second time. This is the first movie in a trilogy, um, all of which is on Netflix, and it's actually based on a trilogy of books, which actually gives me hope that the trilogy of movies will actually be good. Because usually, you know, when there's one book, but then they make like multiple movies or seasons, like say The Handmaid's Tale, it usually like falls off a cliff when they don't have the um the uh the original source material, or I guess uh, Game of Thrones is another example of that. So, you know, it made me want to invest in this movie because I knew that the other two parts were also based on a book. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was easy to understand. Um, I think, I think in a movie like this, you kind of know where it's going. So it's all about, do you like the characters? Is the plot fun? Do they throw in like enough, you know, funny moments to make me care about the characters. And I would say, yeah, it did. It was definitely worth the watch. And I will definitely be watching the other two movies, which I think is uh, one of the big um, signs that a movie has succeeded. If <laughs> it makes you want to watch the, <laughs> the sequels. Now, obviously, it's a bit easier to get me to watch the sequels because it's uh, the sequels are free and also on Netflix. I'm already paying for it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm trying to think how I can be more specific. So I'm just saying like I like it. So I'm trying to think of like why. But I would say um, I think it was like bubble gum. It's like yeah. bubble gum. You know. Yeah. yeah, I think the lead character, um, Laura Jean, played by played by Lana Condor, could have been super obnoxious and annoying. But I think she was played the right way to make me actually root for her. Um. Because, you know, there are some bratty elements to her personality. So um, without the right actor, I think it actually could have really gone the wrong way. And so I, I actually think the film is really carried by her and her relationship with her dad and her sisters. I think the stuff with, like, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, all that kind of stuff was nice. But to me, it was, like, the family dynamic that really, really carried it um, for me. And I'll just throw it to Ronica um, uh, just before we get into the spoiler section. But um, do you have, like, um, anything that you want to point out of, like, why you, you thought this was uh, worth watching? Because it was, you know what, it's been a while, actually, since I've watched a movie that's just lighthearted like that um i feel like everything i've been watching has either been really heavy or just stupid um <laughs> I, I won't mention whether i i thought those were <laughs> anything we reviewed but anyways um no it was like i loved that it was um they were a biracial family so you know her her mom is korean i believe right and her her dad is is white and i i like that because I don't know. There were like little things about it that I liked. I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I mean, there were little 
elements of um, their Asian culture in there. And um, oh, one thing I do like about her is you're saying that she's bratty is, I don't know, that didn't really bother me because I'm like, she's a teenager. If there wasn't any brattiness in it, I would have wondered. Um, like I said, she was way classier than I ever was in, in high school. Um, mm. it was just, I loved the diversity. Like, I just love that. I don't ever realize how much I miss it until I see it. It was like mm. Degrassi just finally hit Netflix or something. That's what it was for me. Yeah. Uh, the theme, she has a crush on several boys, I guess it seems. I mean... Who can't relate to that, right? <laughs> Especially me. So, I, I mean, I, I I loved it. I just... And it was nice to be able to watch something with my daughter. That's one thing, is because I, I've been having trouble finding stuff that we can watch together. So, I would say, if you're going to watch, like, a, a family movie together, this is a good one. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, now let's move into our full spoiler section. So, uh, you know, dropping into like some actual elements of the movie, like, did you like, were you happy with the way it ended? Did you think it sort of brought resolution? Was it realistic? You knew what was going to happen. Not just not that that made it a terrible movie, but I mean, it's a, a teen romance comedy. So, you know, it's what's going to happen. Um, yes, I mean, I expected it. I'm happy with the way it ended because in those types of movies, you move. Did I just, my Filipino accent just came out. Did you hear that? I just said, (laughs) I just said movies instead of movies. Anyways. Um, (laughs) and I was born here. Um, no, I mean, it was, it was fine. There was, so there's five boys that she wrote letters to. Um, she had major crushes on them and she says she doesn't know how to handle it which i understand hormones are raging you think you like everybody for such odd reasons so she writes them letters because she doesn't know how to handle her feelings and then somehow the letters get released and so um she's having a pretend relationship the theme, you know what? The plot is very similar to lots of other teen movies. They pretend to have a relationship, but they become friends because they find out they have more in common. He's the cool guy. She's the. She wasn't. Was she really a nerd? I don't know about that, Fong. She just wasn't one of the popular kids. No, no, she was. Yeah, she was a little. Yeah, I wouldn't consider her a nerd. If I went yeah. to school with her, she would just be one of the. You know, one of the kids. Yeah, just one of the over there's. <laughs> um, and so, like, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was satisfying. I mean, it wasn't, there was nothing unexpected. Um, I don't know how to make that not sound terrible because, I mean, like I said, it's like a, a teen, it's a teen movie. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, what's that guy's, the guy's name? He was in Sex in the City who plays her dad. That, um, Anyhow, uh, John, John Corb, Corbett. John there you Corbett. go. Yes. And he was in uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Um, he's not in the movie that often as like in teen movies, the parents are just these secondary characters, but I did like, like I said, I did like the way they handled like this, this family that they're biracial. Um, 
because there's one scene where he tries to cook uh, a Korean dinner and uh, her and her sisters talk about it, how he fails at that. And for me, because my stepdad is, is, is white, he's German. It feel that's so familiar to me. So I actually appreciated that. It's like whenever he cooked, it was actually, he didn't cook. It was just like schnitzel. (laughs) That's what we ate when he cooked. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I I appreciate, (laughs) I did appreciate that. And um, that the, the popular kid, I do like in movies now, these teen movies, they're getting a little bit more sophisticated with the characters or maybe they always were. I don't know. Um, They have like a a little bit more depth to them than I, I don't know if I just remember teen movies a certain way, but I just felt like this, this to me that even as an adult, I was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. Like I, I can get with this show. There is one thing Vong, I will tell you that distracted me because there's always something that's completely unrelated to the plot the theme (sighs) i i you know um her older sister whose name i don't remember her older sister was very distracting to me because she was supposed to be 18 and she was going off for her first year um to university and i i just kept looking at her and i thought that's a full-grown woman that's like a 30 year old woman (laughs) And of course I looked her up and she is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise. Yeah. They all, they always do that, especially with Asians. That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Because Asian don't raisin, but I mean, we can tell how old we are. I think. Um, I, I, yeah, it was just, it was, oh, there was, there was one thing too, where um, her next door neighbor, she had a crush on. Uh, and that was sort of the threat to this budding relationship of um, uh, Lara Jean and um, Popular Boy. <laughs> but I don't know. It came near Peter? the end. Yes, Peter. It came near the end, and I didn't really, I don't really feel that threat. You know, it, it wasn't really. Yeah. The, uh... Yeah, I thought this subplot with the evil girl, she was just too, like, cartoonishly evil. And I feel like, you know, it's a good thing she was just a side character, so it doesn't matter that much that she wasn't that well-written. But as an obstacle for our leads, yeah, you're right, it wasn't believable. She's a bit too cartoonish. And Mm -hmm. I do think, like, with so many hormones, when you're at that age... There is going to be jealousy. There is going to be sabotage. There is, there, but there's like a way to write it that's more believable than just to make her like a Bond villain. You know, like she was just so cartoonishly evil, (laughs) and it was like, you know, kids that age aren't evil. They're just a pump full of hormones and don't know what to do with what to do with it. You know, their their bodies are going through changes, and they have lots of emotions. Everything feels like the end of the world, and I feel like you could make a more believable um, motivation or, you know, character out of a, you know, a scorned ex-lover who's still somewhat in the picture. Because I think where it falls is it's like, you have to believe that Peter would still want this woman in his life, you know? So I feel like she shouldn't have been so cartoonishly evil 
almost a little bit more like like Lara Jean and Josh's relationship. Like, you know, they still remain friends. It was awkward, but like they're not evil. And I think to make us believe that Peter actually wants this ex in his life because they're still trying to be friends, uh, to make her just super evil, just kind of like ruin that, <laughs> ruin that. Um, yeah. Because I could totally see a real conflict of like, well, I want my ex in my life because she meant something to me. And Laura Jean being like, no, I'm jealous because I'm a teenage, a teenager and I'm jealous. But then, you know, Peter being like, well, Josh is in your life. So what's going on? So like there could have been conflict there that was a little bit more mm-hmm. nuanced than like, you know, it'd be... Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what it's written like in the book. If maybe the movie just streamlined this girl to be just oh. super evil for no good reason, um, as True. often happens in movies. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I would say she's the only character I, I didn't really like, but everything else, even the things where you had to make a leap of logic, like, okay, like her younger sister sending the letters is a little bit like, I don't <laughs> think that would happen. You know, wow. it was just, like they're a, but all those other things were likable. I could see them. I would say, yeah, if I had to give one negative, it'd be that character, the uh, the jealous ex-girlfriend. But, you know, it's it was a just small part of the movie. It wasn't even that big a deal. It was still very enjoyable. You make it sound like you grew up around such nice people in high school. I mean... The girls, there were girls that I knew that were evil. I mean, they, they made that girl look nice. I mean... Oh, really? And then, and then I, you're so generous. You're like, they're hormones. I was like, no, there were some people in high school where, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah, girl, girl, mm. um, that girl dynamic is is real <laughs> in high wow. school. Wow. Well, you know that's yeah. that's why we have you on the show. So, uh, yeah. well, well, one one of many reasons we have you on the show, but definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I have now been told, um, but no, it, it makes sense that I wouldn't have that type of view into how girls relate to each other. To me, it seemed over the top. But if if you're saying that that's uh, that actually is just a minuscule amount of what uh, girls are actually like, there's then maybe I was just brutal. Cruel. It's like <laughs> it's like going to school with a bunch of Perez Hiltons. Do you remember Perez Hilton? That's what those mean girls were like in high school. <laughs> They, yeah, I got into fights, not fights, but like, well, okay, maybe tiny fights, but um, just over like a boyfriend where, you know, they. Oh, wow. Yes. They say some mean things. <laughs> where are you at now? <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's, let's wrap up the movie review um, and then we can jump into, uh, into our own uh, crazy experiences um, in, in grade school after the, after the, the short break. But uh, just uh, one final thought of what do you think of the movie in terms of uh, representation? While you think about that, I'll give my answer and I'll say, I actually thought, it was nice that it was such an ordinary movie. It wasn't like a great movie. It wasn't a terrible movie. It was just an ordinary, worth-watching, fun movie. And the lead character happened to be Asian. And it wasn't really brought up or marketed as like this super Asian movie or anything. And, you know, the diversity was just sort of in there. Um, and one thing I love, which they didn't do, 
because it's been happening on basically almost every high school drama lately has this new archetype of like the Asian male bully. Um, like it's, it's just this thing. It's, it's getting a little bit ridiculous at this point. Um, it was like, you know, 13 reasons why Riverdale, um, it it is honestly it it goes on and on. They're now like casting um, Asians as the as the high school bully, and I'm just really happy they didn't do this. I was like, please do not let a random Asian bully just uh, pop up out of nowhere. So yeah, so I would say I give it a pretty high score in terms of representation because I yeah it was just a normal movie starring this Asian girl, um, and they brought it. Asian culture once in a while with food and stuff, but it wasn't like the whole marketing for the movie, which was nice. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the representation? You know what? You said something there that's so um, I, we understand as um, Asians is that when people think of like, we want more representation, we, we, you know, we want to see ourselves in media. I think people who are wondering about that think that it has to be this grand thing, like, oh, here come the Asians, here come, oh, no. no, that's how we live our lives. We're like, this is actually what normal life feels to us. We're just doing our business and um, we just happen to be whatever descent we're from, you know, for us Asian. Um, so I did like that a lot. That's really, that's why I made that reference to Degrassi because Degrassi was like, let's just say like for its time, it was, I know I'm jumping to Degrassi, but for its time, it was very diverse um, ahead of its time. And this felt like that where we didn't have to make this grand thing. It was just like, nope, it's a movie. She happens to be Asian. Um, there was a lot of diversity in it. I really appreciated that. If we were doing like a scale of uh, representation out of three, I'm like, this is a definitely a three out of three for representation. So for that alone, I'd see it. It's a good Sunday afternoon movie like today. <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah, I totally recommend it as well. And uh, hopefully you all go and watch it on your Netflix account that you already have. So it, it's, it's free and it's worth watching. Uh, we'll be right back after this a very short break with um, we will jump into one of the themes coming out of the movie, which is a puppy love. Okay, we're back on a Rice Asian Movies podcast, and we are now going to jump into um, a cultural theme that, that came out of our movie of the week, which was To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And our cultural theme this week is um, puppy love and, you know, our experiences of puppy love and uh, whether there's any differences with puppy love between Asians and non-Asians. I'm, <laughs> I'm not totally sure uh, that totally uh, will, will apply this week, but I'll, I'll throw that out uh, anyway. And let's uh, let's throw over to, to Veronica. Like, what was your experience as a puppy love and was it, like, different to what you see in the movies or... Are you God. basically Lara Jean? I was Lara Jean, but more of a loser. Um, <laughs> I, in grade school, I think I already named my one of my huge crushes on a last episode, maybe three episodes ago, Jason Reddy. Um, 
I had a crush on many, many boys. As a matter of fact, I <laughs> distinctly remember my best friend's mother saying to her daughter, she told me later, she said, Veronica's a little boy crazy, isn't she? So oh. I was <laughs> definitely, I was definitely there with Lara Jean, but probably I didn't handle it with writing letters. I was probably just, I can name all of them, Vong. I can name all of my crushes. Um, I don't know if I should, but I, some of them are really rich. It's too bad I couldn't pursue that. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're listening now, here I am. Um, And yeah, I just remember feeling like, like that, like you just don't know what to do with yourself because you don't know. Well, you don't know anything like you're in grade school. Um, I remember I had um, in eighth grade, I had a huge birthday party with someone who had a birthday, I think a day before mine. So it was this joint birthday party in our condo party room. I got my cousin to DJ, which just meant she just played like records alternately um, on our, on our Iowa. And, um, and my stepbrother was there. He was so much older. And then we had the lights as dim as we could. There was no parental supervision because it was my older stepbrother there. Um, and we danced like, you know, hands on shoulders. So exciting. And then I thought like the special thing and the girl that I was having the birthday with, Irene, <laughs> Um, she, she bagged one of my crushes, not bagged. That's no, they were in grade eight. We, she, they exchanged numbers. That's, but in back then, that's like a huge thing. So it was a very disappointing birthday for me. Um, we sat in the, the coat room closet and these things are also very like 13 year old girl. It's very exciting. Actually, when I think about it, my life is not that exciting anymore. Um, I don't get excited about any boys. I don't get excited about any men. I'm just hardened and jaded, easy. Oh, no. <laughs> so is that part of the reason why you like these younger movies? It brings you back to a time when you were more hopeful, oh, less God. bitter. <laughs> maybe. Welcome to our therapy session. Yes, maybe that's what it is. I think so because yeah. It's exciting, right? Everything's happening at the for the first time. And you don't know yeah, what it is. Of, yeah, yeah, it's so strange. My so I'm uh, for the few listeners who who don't already know that 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 I'm gay. I'm like super gay and I've never had a, a girlfriend in, in my life and you know Growing up, I didn't really come, I didn't come out until I was in in college. So you know, obviously, no dating, none of that puppy love kind of kind of stuff. But I had like some weird experiences for sure. Like you know, even though you're, even though I, I was gay, like you know, you do want to like feel like you're one of the cool kids and like go dating. And it was funny because. I found out after the fact that several girls had crushes on me, but, um, and, and a couple of them were like two of the most popular girls in school who are like good friends of mine, but they always said that like, they never really thought of telling me or asking me 
because I was just so confident and that was like intimidating. Um, I, I, I have been pretty confident my, my whole life, but, um, you know, back then I was like, why doesn't anybody love me? And then it was just like, no, we do. You're just like, you know, you're just so sure of yourself. So it's taught me, you know, maybe show some vulnerability because, um, you know, if, if you're always confident all the time, then uh, that doesn't let people in. Um, so I, I have learned that lesson. Um, but uh Honestly, it's part of the reason why I wanted to do a podcast um, with with Veronica and Leonard um, and, and originally with, with Jennifer because I felt like on stage my persona was so like carved out that you don't really get to see any vulnerability because like word for word everything is like is like really ironed out. It's a performance. So, you know, hope hopefully I'm learning to be vulnerable here. Um yeah. and uh I don't know. It's just, it it was weird. I did have this one weird incident though where um for some weird reason I declared my love to some girl in like grade eight. And then my love letter got like found out. And then I like cried in the middle of the class. I'm like, I was super gay. I was like, I don't even love this hoe. Like, what is going on? I was like, I'm really selling this whole like I could be straight people thing, you know? Like I was really, really selling it. <laughs> um, I don't even know. I was so confused. It felt real at the time, but I feel like I was just like, you know what? I am somehow gonna become popular by breaking down and crying in the middle of the class about a girl who I wrote a love letter to, even though I'm super gay. I don't know. I don't know, Veronica. Love works in mysterious ways. Wait, wait. You you did a Lara Jean? You wrote a letter? Is that what you're telling me? I did. I wrote a letter, but I was going to pass it to her in class, but it got like intercepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then it got, actually, it was, it was like a poem. <laughs> Just to make this extra oh, sad. Oh, I wish you had it today. <laughs> wow, I'm so invested in this story, Vong. <laughs> I mean, it got intercepted, and I was just like crying. I still remember I was crying at the front of the class while staring longingly at her. It was so <laughs> over the top pathetic. I, I, I think it was grade eight. I think it was grade eight. I was very confused. I had uh I had a giant poster of Anna Kornikova on my wall. I was really, I was really selling it. I was really trying to sell that whole, you know, I'm all about this, uh, this straight life. I'm all, I'm all about the chicks. <laughs> Cause you want to fit in so badly during that time. You like at any cost, like that's what I remember about that age is like, you just don't want to feel left out. Um, I do remember I did have like one because I like I said, I was like like a big nerd. I was like the spelling bee champion for like three years in a row. Um, but that same year, maybe it was grade 12, someone else had a house party and he, they it was Madonna Live to Tell. That was the song of the year. And she had an extended version mm. of the song. And so my crush that year, that moment was um, I remember all their names. I'm going to shout you out. I don't care. Melvin Anthony. I had a crush on you. Um, and he always wore this this knit sweater. It had, it had like pink and white stripes. I remember very strange details. Mm. And so it was slow dance time, which, you know, back then is very nerve wracking and a big deal. And 
he asked me to dance to the extended version of that song, which is like an hour and a half. <laughs> it was the most exciting oh, oh, okay. time of my life. <laughs> no, it was, it's like five minutes. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I lived to tell that <laughs> it was very exciting. Where are you now? <laughs> That's what I want to Well, <laughs> you know, I feel like we both have enough good stories that we should get in like a writer's room of all Asians and talk about our puppy love stories and come up with some type of uh, uh, Asian, uh, we could call the movie puppy love. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, definitely write it because I, I think there are some experiences in these movies that haven't been told before because, um, you know, as much as I liked To All the Boys I've Loved Before and as much as it did add some representation, I do think it did lean a little bit heavily on the tropes of like the, you know, pretending to be somebody's boyfriend or girlfriend and then falling in love with the one you're pretending to, which I don't Has that ever even happened? I don't know. Like, obviously, I pretended to be in love with that girl and that never ended up into a real relationship. Well, well. I mean, I know we're talking about grade school, but in high school, I did set my cousin up with someone I had a deep crush on because because I didn't know how to tell him I liked him. That would have been my first boyfriend. Actually, he did end up being my first boyfriend. It was almost incestual, actually, now that I think about it. (laughs) Wow. That definitely is a whole movie on it. It is. And I was Very. and I was with his I was seeing his best friend. So there you go. Look at that. That's a that's a screenplay right there. Wow. It's like Beverly Hills Toronto edition. Yeah, it was Scarborough. <laughs> yeah. Scarborough M3B1Z something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Well, uh, thanks for sharing those those uh those puppy love stories. Hopefully we haven't traumatized our listeners with <laughs> our uh, puppy love stories and to that girl that I embarrassed and cried longingly for in grade eight. Um, her name was Michelle. I don't know her last name. She's probably married and has a new last name anyway, but um, which, which I do think people should stop doing because that's just upholding the patriarchy, but that's a whole other thing. But, uh, but uh, Michelle from general wolf school, uh, grade eight. Uh, I'm sorry for embarrassing you and using you as my beard and crying all over you and making everybody feel like you were an awful person who broke my heart because I was gay and you never really broke my heart, but it, it all felt so real in the moment. <laughs> we're opening up tonight. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, thank you to, uh, to Veronica, um, for coming on the podcast. Thank you to all our listeners for listening to us. I'm your host Vong show and that's what's up. <laughs>